the Sunday Sermons Podcast. As we continue to walk through the book of Judges this morning, we're going to jump right in. We've got a lot of ground to cover and only half an hour to cover it in. So we're going to jump right in here. Judges chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. And so the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hagoyim. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. And then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Once again, you see this cycle that you're going to see several more times as we go through Judges. The people reject God. God backs off, says, okay, let's see how that works out for you. It doesn't work out well. And after an obscenely long time, this time 20 years, they finally cry out to God for help, come back to him, start worshiping him instead of idols. And then God sends someone to rescue him. In this, in this case, he sends a couple of people. The main leader here seems to be Deborah. Verse 4, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at this time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Now, as you've noticed, most of the judges in the book of Judges aren't what we would think of as judges, people who have to do with the legal system and who do this. She's one of the exceptions. She's also one of the exceptions who is also playing the role as a prophet at this time. She is someone who is designated, who is hearing from God and is his designated messenger to his people. So she's wearing two hats, which is probably why there's a third person that's coming into the story in a second, who is kind of the warrior person, which is more what most of the judges are. And just one more time, let me remind you again, when the Bible talks about judgment, it's usually about handing out some sort of a penalty and making sure that justice is enforced, making sure things are fair. And it's not about looking down on people, unless you're Judge Judy, and then you're doing both at the same time. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think Deborah was anything like that. I think she was a wonderful person. Uh, let's keep on going with the story. It's also, oh, one more thing. It's also not unusual to see female prophets. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit first came in power after the resurrection of Jesus, and he goes back to heaven, when that happened and the Holy Spirit came in power, Peter quotes Joel. The prophet Joel, who had spoken several hundred years ago on behalf of God. These are the, verses, the words of God through the prophet Joel. Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. In other words, in the New Covenant especially, but even in the Old Covenant, God's Holy Spirit is going to give His gifts and His revelations to whomever He so chooses to give them to. It's, he's not bound by national, who, what nation you come from, what family you come from, your age, your economic status, your gender. He just is going to give you His gifts to whoever He gives you to. Make sense? All right, so we move on. And uh, well, again, sorry, this is so much. I'm excited to share this with you. Galatians 3, 26 through 29, Paul says similarly. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For you are all, all of you who are baptized into Christ 
have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the purpose. Promise. Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay in a second. That, I'm going to be all right. First time you actually see prophets mentioned in the Bible is actually all the way back in the days of Moses. It's in Deuteronomy 13, and it says this. It's actually a warning. Suppose there are prophets among you. Notice he doesn't say men or women. That's, even back then, that wasn't a big issue. There were just more men for some reason. Suppose there are prophets among you, those who dream dreams about the future, and they promise you signs or miracles, and the predicted signs or miracles occur. If they then say, come let us worship other gods, gods you have not known before, do not listen to them. The Lord your God is testing you to see if you truly love him with all your heart and soul. One way to know a false prophet is if the prophet makes a prediction and it doesn't come true. Okay, so if, you, if you've been listening to somebody on YouTube or reading their books or whatever, and they said this is going to happen, and that thing did not happen, you should think twice about trusting them the next time. Just saying, because God never lies. People mess up, God doesn't. Uh, but another way to know is if this is their message. If their message is, here's what God really wants. He wants you to be safe and happy and prosperous. And anything that you think is going to get you there is God's will. That's not God. That is not a message from God. If they say, hey, we need you to line up under God's authority and also under the authority of this person, under this teaching, under this specific thing, as well as God. False prophet. Be very careful. That's not how it works. And, and it really doesn't work at all for us to look at life thinking that the best things are always the, thing, the things that God wants for us is for us to be safe and happy and prosperous. Here's some things I remember Jesus saying. Whoever wants to save your life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Does that sound familiar? Or how about whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross daily and follow me. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. God wants to live his life through us. I love how Crystal Evans Hurst pairs that idea with fearing God. She says, fearing God means that you are clear on the idea that your life is actually his life, that he is living through you. Back to the story. One day she sent for, that's Deborah, one day she sent for Barak son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River, and there I will give you victory over him. Now notice there's a pattern here that you'll see very familiar throughout Scripture. It's always fun to watch for those patterns. It's a way to know that when you think God is speaking to you, you can learn to recognize his voice. There's some things God says often, some ways he says things. And one of the most common is, is in, you can see it here. He says, you do this, I will do this. Sometimes he says, if you do this, then I will do this. Sometimes he says, if you would only do this, I would love 
to do this. But there's a, there's, a, there's a thing there where God loves to partner with people. And y'all are so blessed that I am not God because I would not partner with humanity if I were God. Humanity messes stuff up all the time. Amen. I would not partner with myself if I were God. I, well, I would if I were God. But you know what I'm saying. I, I, I know I mess up too. But God loves to partner with us. And all throughout Scripture, you see these conditional promises. If you do this, then I will do this. Test me in this, says the Lord. See if I do not. Does, that, does this sound familiar? And, it, and it's true. Whenever you see that, there's, it's important. Barak told her, told Deborah, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied. I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, I've heard this story all my life, and almost every time about at this spot, somebody throws in some assumptions. It's not actually in the text, but almost every time consistently, here's some of the assumptions. One is that Barak must be some sort of a really big wimp. He won't go into battle unless, unless Deborah's going to go with him, kind of like her security blanket. I won't say which one of my kids, but one of my sons used to be really scared of the dark, so he'd always rope in one of his brothers if he had to go upstairs. And, and, and people say, that, that's what Barak is like. That he, he's not going to go into battle. It doesn't really say that. That's something we assume. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I just want to point out it's an assumption. Are you with me so far? Another thing is they're saying that when she says the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of the woman, that's some sort of a punishment against Barak. Or like, it's going to be a woman. Which is another really dangerous assumption that it being a woman would be a bad thing. Why can't a woman get the glory? Are you with me? Yeah. Those are assumptions that we read into this text. As we keep reading, just keep listening. Maybe that's right, maybe it's not, but I need you to just listen. Pretend you've never heard this story before and just see what makes sense to you. Because here's the second thing I need us to do as we do life together. We need to not make any false assumptions. We said, no more false prophets. Let's say this one out loud, four words. No more false assumptions. You know how to, you know how to do that? Don't make hardly any assumptions. That helps. But the things that you assume need to be informed by the word of God. The things that you assume shouldn't just be things that you assume you just assume. Or you assume based on your own ideas or your own culture or your own preferences. They should be things that you assume based on, I have looked at the entire scripture and what God says about the entire subject. And based on all of that, this one confusing passage seems to be saying this. And even then it might be a false assumption because you're a human being and so am I. But that's a lot less likely to be false than me just going, well, obviously, and it's only obvious to me. Is, it, is this track, are you, is this making any kind of sense? I sure hope so. So here we go. The Holy Spirit, again, he gives his gifts to anyone he chooses. But we must not, we must not assume that we are experts on understanding the Holy Spirit. We must not assume that somebody else this one person that we listen to or watch or whatever is, is always right. We must be careful. We must each take responsibility. Please hear me on this. Each take responsibility to seek God, to study the scriptures, to live out God's will in our daily lives. And it's not a bad thing to ask questions. 
perhaps what Barack is doing here is not needing a security blanket, but he's saying, hey, if you're really hearing from God, I want to be able to hear from God in the moment in this battle. What if God has, I need the whole team in this battle. You're the one who hears from God directly. I'm the sword and shield guy. I need you to come with me. What if it's that rather than he's afraid? Just throwing that out. And definitely don't assume that her being a prophetess or prophet, it does, there's no special word for it, she's just a prophet, is somehow less than being a regular prophet. Doesn't say that. Bianca Juarez Altoff says this in her series that's on Right Now Media about Deborah. She says her role, Deborah's role, wasn't to fight in the natural with a sword and a shield, but to war in the spiritual, to hear from God. I think that is very clear in this story. And here's what I know, here's what I'm assuming, knowing what the scripture says consistently about humility, is that humility is always playing your own part as well as you possibly can. It's not about who's, who's better or who's worse or who's in control and who's not. It's about what is the part God has given you to play. Whether that's leadership or following or whatever, it's what did God tell you? And you do that to the best of your ability, period. I think it's also significant to note that he, in Hebrews 11, the chapter that's about all of the heroes of the faith, somehow Barak makes it into that. Listen, uh, how much more do I need to say? Verse 32, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Maybe he's not a wimp. Maybe he's just wise enough to know that he needs the whole team. He needs the wise prophet with him in the battle. Maybe. Just saying. Let's get back in the story. Judges 4.10. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. And 10,000 warriors went up with him. So he's doing his part. That's what God told him to do. Deborah also went with him. She's doing her part. Side note, now Heber the Kenite, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law Hobab, had moved away from the other members of his tribe and pitched his tent by the oak of Zananim near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called for all 900 of his iron chariots, all of his warriors, and they marched from Harasheth Hagoyim to the Kishon River. And then Deborah said to Barak, get ready, this is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. God said, you do this, and I'll do this. Rock did that. God did what he said he's going to do. Make sense? You can always assume that God's going to come through on a promise he directly makes to you. You can always assume that God's going to come through with a promise that he makes this condition like that. If you do this, then I will do this. One dangerous assumption that we make far too often is to assume that everything God ever said to anybody ever in the Bible that we can apply to ourselves in any situation ever. We love to put stuff on mugs and t-shirts and think that it applies to everything in our lives every single day. And then when it doesn't, we go, I think God broke his promise. That's a really dangerous assumption. How many have ever seen Jeremiah 29, 11 on a mug or a t-shirt or something? You know what I'm talking about? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Give you hope in a future not to harm you. You've seen this one, right? It's a great verse. I love it. But if you read Jeremiah 29, verses 1 to 23, he's talking to people in exile. 
He's sending them into exile for 70 years. And he's saying, no matter what you do, what you pray, how you repent, you're going to be there for 70 years. But I've got plans for you on the other side of that. Now, knowing all of that, we can surmise, okay, if that's the kind of compassionate God he is, the kind of firm, you're going to deal with the consequences no matter what, but on the other side of that, I'll still love you kind of God. We can, that, that's, that's something I'd like to have on my mug, but that's not the same thing as me looking at my mug every day, sipping coffee, going, nothing bad's going to happen to me today. Because God has plans to give me hope in a future. Not to harm me. That's not the same thing. Are you with me? All right. Just trying to throw. Speaking of getting harmed, the iron chariots in this story were kind of the tanks of that era of history. I'm a history nut. I like looking this stuff up. There were several different kinds of chariots. The Egyptian chariots were light and fast. They could be pulled by one or two horses. These ones had to be pulled by two horses, and they were armored. And so they'd hunker down in them, and they'd, 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 it was really hard to fight back. And, and just imagine, if there's 900 chariots coming at you, that means there's 18 horses. Even without the chariots, that's scary. Do you know what I'm saying? 18 horses running at you, you've got a sword and a shield, what are you going to do? There's, there's not much. And if you're, it doesn't matter how good of a shot you are with your sword or your bow and arrow or your spear, how are you going to hit somebody's face through horses, what are you going to do? Probably the only way you can defend yourself at all is either have God on your side, which is honestly the only way you can defend yourself. But the only military way you could do this would be to come at them from above. Does that make sense? We're behind. So watch this. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leapt down from his chariot and escaped on foot. And then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Haraseth Hagoyim, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. I'm just saying, does that sound like a wimp to you? Does that sound like somebody who always has to have a security blanket with them to survive? Not really. It also does not minimize the part that Deborah is playing. It just, it's, it's a good warning for us not to make false assumptions as we read Bible stories. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Speaking of false assumptions, have you heard this story before? This is good. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. <laughs> you have heard this story. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. Have you ever noticed, though, how often we make this same mistake that Sisera made? That when we're running from something, especially if we're running from God, if we're following our heart or we're doing some random thing we know isn't right, that we will trust anybody, even strangers, more than we'll trust God or the people that love us most. How stupid is that? And we can all look at a story like that and see that, but how many times have we done that? How many times do teenagers trust their peers who've only been on the planet like less than 20 years, no matter how wise they are? 
more than their parents, more than their grandparents, more than God, more than anybody else who loves them and has demonstrated wisdom and strength to them. How many times do adults do it their whole life? It's a dangerous, false assumption to make. And if there's anybody who consistently loves us, it's mothers, right? This is Mother's Day. Let's talk about moms for just a second. One of the things I love is how God, he consistently portrays himself as a father, as a male figure in scripture. But he also often compares his love to us to a mother's love. You know why he does that? Because we all know what that means. Every culture everywhere knows that even if there's a few bad moms out there, we all know what mothers generally do, how they generally love. Their, you all know what a mama bear is. You, all, you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Every single person knows this is how moms love their kids. And so God says, when I love you like that, I wish I could gather you under my wings like a bird gathers its chicks under its wings, even things like that. It's, it, we know exactly what that means. What? Mothers are also wise. Proverbs 1.8 says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Proverbs 31. All the ladies went, oh no. Please don't. Listen to this verse first in that passage. The sayings of King Lemuel contain this message, which his mother taught him. That passage is not some patriarchal nonsense that got put in the Bible. That's something that a woman, a wise woman said to her son who became a king. And he thought it was worth writing down. And the Holy Spirit thought it was worth putting in our scriptures that we're still reading today. Are you with me? That was a wise woman. That's pretty cool. We should also never assume as we read the scripture that if it says anything about men or women or people that do certain sins or anything at all that God hates them or he, th he just really doesn't like them or anything like that. It's not true. It's not true that Paul doesn't like women. We know that from stories. We know that from how he says so many kind things and respectful things. We know how he worked with Priscilla and Aquila, the husband and wife team, not only planting churches but making tents with them to have a, make a living together. He was partners with them Pretty much all day long, every single day. He, he gave full props to Timothy's mom and her grandmother for raising him right in the Lord. This is anything that Paul says, and he did say some stuff that are hard to understand. We'll get to that on a whole nother day. This is a happy day. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. This is good. <laughs> but the one thing that I really want to make sure that you hear on this today is God loves and respects women. So does Paul, and so do we here. And we want, we want to... That, that's the bottom line bedrock truth that you see that. In fact, the first woman who shows up in scripture is back in Genesis 2. And that's one of the, another false assumption that happens because of how we translate that story into English. It says that God, God said it's, it's bad for Adam to be alone and so he made him a suitable helper. Suitable helper. It, it's a term that we translate out of a Hebrew term, ezer konegdo. And we completely get it wrong because we assume that we know what it means and we don't. Here, here, here's what I'd be. Ezra is the helper idea. When I hear helper, I think assistant. I think sidekick. That's not what it means. The only two times in the whole Bible that Ezra means a woman is right there. Verse 18 and verse 20 of chapter 2 of Genesis. There are 13 times it talks about a military, either a, a, a mighty warrior or a whole army coming to save you. That kind of helper. 
All of the other times that Ezra is ever used in the scripture, it refers to God himself. And there's some pretty cool verses like, our God is our rock, our fortress, our ever-present help in time of need. Helper. You with me? It's not a sidekick. It's a lot more than that. And connecto means not, I hear suitable, I think acceptable. I think it'll do. I think, yeah, that's fine. That's not what it means. It's perfect. I don't know if you, about you guys, but when I go to coffee shops, I have no idea what they're talking about when they say, this coffee pairs really well with this cinnamon roll. It's coffee and it's a cinnamon roll. Of course it goes well together. <laughs> but if you know what that means, or maybe some of you know like how certain wines go with cheese, certain cheeses or certain meats, that's way out of my league. But do you know what I'm talking about? There's this idea of pairing, perfect pairing. That's what connecto means. It's like how your hands are designed to work together. How your two ears are designed to work together. Your two eyes are designed to work together. Suitable helper doesn't really cut it. It's so much more than that. And all you women, all you moms, I want you to know that God absolutely adores you. And he designed you to be much more than just a sidekick. All right. Got to do the little Proverbs 31 thing. We're almost done here. But this is, this is exciting. I'm glad to share these truths with you this morning. And, and I, hope that, I hope that you're hearing it. I hope that you're encouraged. Whether you're a man or a woman, this is good stuff. Proverbs 31 is actually a really cool passage. But again, there's a Hebrew word that we don't really get. When it says she's a virtuous, capable wife, sometimes noble, we tend to see those words and we just think she's a good person. That's not what it means. That, that word actually means something more like mighty or wise or worthy. Really strong, it means like trustworthy. You can count on this person 100%. That's an awesome person, this lady. Uh, my favorite verse in that passage is uh, verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. And that's my prayer for my wife and for my mom for the rest of the moms in here. Proverbs 31, 28 to 31 says, Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. This is Mother's Day. You should take some time today to say, this to your mom or your wife. Are you with me on this? Try, try that. Maybe not the part about charm is deceptive and beauty will not last. Maybe you can leave that out. She may not take that well. But all the rest of it is really awesome. And in context, even that is good. Here's where we're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap up with the story and a challenge to not wait around anymore. I, I'm going to go ahead and issue the challenge and then we're going to wrap up this story and wrap up where I believe God is calling us to go today. Let, let's say these four words together. Ready? No more waiting around. One of the things I love in this story is that as the second that God tells them to do something, they jump right in. Deborah does, Barak does. They just, the people of Israel, the 10,000 people they round out, boom. God says, do it. Boom, they do it. And so, boom, God responds. And I just absolutely love that. And I think that that is something that we can assume can happen in our lives as well. Here's the rest of the story. I'm not going to put all of it on the screen, just the last 
couple verses in the uh, next one of the, but, but just listen, this is straight out of God's word. Uh, again, like the story of Ehud, I, I, I want you to know it's coming straight from God's word because it's kind of violent, but it's also really cool. Here we go. Please give me some water, he said. This is Sisera in the tent of jail where we left him. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag. That's gross. <laughs> so she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there's anyone there, tell them no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. And she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground. And so he died. <laughs> I, I love that whoever wrote this story down the first time thought they had to include that one. <laughs> That's a great life. And when Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. Notice he's not giving up here. Barak's not just celebrating and, hey, we went. I don't know where Sisera is, but we don't care. Woo, go team. He's, he's finishing the job. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him, and she said, Come, and I will show you the man that you are looking for. Maybe, maybe he should have questioned whether he should follow her, too. I don't know. But he does. He followed her into the tent, found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. Here's how this story wraps up and the celebration begins. The last verse of chapter 4, the first of um, chapter 5. And so on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. Israel's leaders took charge and the people gladly followed. Praise the Lord. Now, actually, that song just keeps going. The whole chapter, except for the very last verse, is a big duet between these two leaders. It's really cool how the, this is a unique story. You've got two leaders, and they're working together as a really great team. And one's a prophet slash judge, the other's a military guy. But somehow the way that they celebrate is they write a song together and perform it. And the lyrics are really cool, also very violent. They're singing about, you know, praise God. And then the next thing is the hammer went up to his head and then went down. On down. It's, it's that kind of lyrics. It's, it's crazy. Then there was peace in the land for 40 years, twice as long as there had been misery before they stood up and did what God asked them to do. Are you guys ready to wrap up here this morning? This is my challenge one more time. No more waiting around. If you, today, God is convicting you that there's some false prophets you've been listening to, people that you're allowing to color your faith and, and shape the choices that you're making, and you know it's not God, stop listening to them. Stop. Stop today. And if you know that you're making some false assumptions about yourself, who you are and how God designed you and how, who God is and if he's good or not or if he's maybe bad or you know you're making some false assumptions, you need to stop. And you need to stop today. Stop messing around. Stop waiting around. Get, get things right today. And, and if you're just taking my word for it, you need to stop that. All the scriptures I even remotely reference, and a few I did not, are in your hands or digitally available to you wherever you're hearing this today. Fact check me. Read it in the Bible. 
ask some questions, pray about it, talk to some other people that love Jesus and are going to try their best like I'm doing to be honest and real with you. But ask some questions, seek God on your own, take responsibility to do that. Don't mess around, don't wait around. Study it today, talk about it today. And celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate your moms. Celebrate your grandmas. Celebrate the people that are good. Celebrate the victories that God has given you. Even if things are really dark right now for you. There's some goodness too. Celebrate that. And for crying out loud, honor your mom today. Don't wait around. Give her a hug. Tell her you love her. Tell her thank you. No more waiting around. Let's get the stuff done that God is telling you to do. And if he's telling you to do something right now, even if it's just come forward and pray, if it's any kind of decision at all, let's make it together as we stand and sing.